Good morning, everyone. Um, we have got so much to discuss this morning. Coming up at 835, an opportunity for you to commemorate 9-11 for a great cause with a great organization. We'll talk about that coming up with Angela Harrell from the 100 Club of Arizona. That happens in just a few moments. Uh, but we start, we heard in the news, Griselda Sedino talking about uh, the the assessments, the new students. More Arizona grade school students passed the assessments, but most still fail. Overall, 41% of grades 3 through 8 um, passed the English language arts part of the test, three percentage points up from the previous year, while 33% passed the math test. That's up two percentage points. So... Um, a couple of things, and I don't want to be a doom and gloomer all the time. There's a quote from Kathy Hoffman, the superintendent, and I don't blame her for saying this. She said, we know the pandemic sidelined students and teachers for weeks at a time, presenting challenges for all our learners. Even with those obstacles, our students and teachers did something incredible, increased test scores. We have been failing in Arizona for years. Um, I mean, let's be let's just be honest. We have been failing in Arizona for years. Um Especially with grade school students, we have to have the ability to learn. Um, I harp about this and preach about this because I have been um, a, a uh, um, proponent of education because of the mistakes I made as a young person. And I think as adults, that what, that is what we're supposed to do for young people is teach them by our mistakes. And uh, how many times have you had the conversation with your kids in saying, don't make the mistake I did? Now, they don't always listen. You know, I was a stubborn kid. I'm a stubborn adult. But we have to give them the tools. The elementary education especially is the most important education in my opinion because of what happened in my life. That I had really good teachers and a solid foundation as a young boy. I was, I, and it wasn't my doing. It was just um, how it worked out for me. I loved school when I was a kid. I was a straight A student. I was an excellent reader at a young age. I uh, was, so I had all the tools to learn that more than anything else, because at some point in your life, learning something becomes important to you. I want you to think of the students out there right now that are floundering in school. I have a friend um, uh, that I grew up with. We've been friends for well over 30 years. When I look back now, probably 40 years. We've been friends for 40 years. And his younger brother aced the SAT test. Aced it. Got a perfect 1600 on it. Was failing in high school because it was boring to him. It just wasn't for him. But he was the most brilliant kid I've ever met in my life. And this guy went on to be to do amazing things once he found his way. But in high school, he didn't want to do anything but sleep and play Dungeons and Dragons. And and so at that point in his life, you would have considered him a failure. But what he went on to do once he realized what he wanted to do with his potential, he went on to amazing things. And how many times that's a story for people. Uh, one of the headlines this morning, satisfaction with U.S. education is dropping according to a Gallup survey. More and more people in this country are dissatisfied with um, public education. Here is a couple of reasons why. Uh, one of them, California school district is asking families to rent rooms to teachers, which is interesting. But um, California Teachers Union conducted research 
that's opposition research, on parents groups that wanted to reopen schools, according to emails. Major teachers union, this is in Seattle, delays the first day of school for thousands by walking out. Um, you know, in Perth Amboy, New Jersey, um, at Head Start, masks remain on despite CDC guidelines. So the reason why I say this and I, I want to talk about this is because parents are looking for options for their kids. Parents understand the need for a solid education for their children, even if the children don't want it, is necessary. Giving your children the tools that when they're ready to use them, they have the ability to use them. So especially at the foundation, at that 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 elementary school level if we are not preparing kids and here in this and i will say congratulations to arizona for having test scores go up year over year that's that's good I, it really is it's an improvement and any improvement deserves credit but we are still only passing 41 percent in language art skills and less than that 33 percent in math how are we setting them up for success when these kids, grades three through eight, are failing at this rate? How do you take a kid? How do you pass kids? So if, you know, if you've got uh, 59% of your kids not, in, not passing language arts, then you have even more than that. You have 67% of kids not passing math up to eighth grade, how do you send them on to high school and expect them to be successful when they finally decide they want to do something with their life and whatever that is for them? If you don't, if they don't have the tools to learn, they're at a severe disadvantage. It's something that all of us should be concerned about. And this isn't slamming public education necessarily. It's saying that we as a society need to take a different look at this because it's not working. Um, one of those stories and I love this national story. High school students have a strong shot at success with career technical education. That's those CTEs I talk about all the time. The CTEDs, the career education, technical education districts. CTEDs are, a, are, are the lifeblood of the working class in many people's minds. But I'll tell you what I've learned about them over the years. Um, I, I, I've talked about them, West Mac in the West Valley, but I have a, a deep relationship with the people over at EVIT, the East Valley Institute of Technology. I've been to the campus uh, a number of times. I know the people that are on their board. I know the uh, superintendent is a brilliant guy. Um, and their focus is on these these kids that are high school kids that want to learn a skill. So everybody thinks, and I thought this way as well, that automatically if you go to what, what we call the trade school or a CTED, um, we called it uh, – what was it called? Work experience was what it was called when I was a kid. This was for the kids in high school back in the 80s where for the kids in high school, there was no way they were going to college. So you better learn to do something. So they learned to cook or they learned to be uh, a, a, a hairstylist or they went to you know went to trade school um, and we used their elective classes instead of going to PE or these others. At the end of the day, they went to these CTEDs is what they're called now. But when I went over and at the last two years, I have spoken – at the um, – they call it promotion It's an, or completion ceremony because you're not graduating. You're promoting out or, or completing your, your uh, CTED certification. You still graduate from your high school. And uh, the superintendent always asks these kids to stand up. And he said, oh, how many of you are going on to college? And it was like two-thirds of these kids are taking the skill set they have and still going on to college. 
And then you have a number of these kids that are going into the military, taking a skill with them into the military, which anybody that's ever enlisted in the military, if you have a skill, if you're an electrician, if you've got some kind of skills, you can get rank uh, going into the military, bringing a skill with you. Um, And then many of them are going into the workforce as well. But either way, it's an option. And where kids are looking at the sheer expense of college, they are deciding they want to go into the workforce. Many of them are starting out making money that you and I couldn't even imagine making at 18 years old, 19 years old, 17 years old. It's pretty amazing. And so and I mean this with respect because I want this to be successful in Arizona. If we are going to have successful public schools, they're going to have to make some changes because parents now, especially now after the pandemic, are seeking out options. And just like everything else in life, you know, I grew up with three channels on TV and then we got cable. And now cable is becoming obsolete because, well, I'm not saying obsolete, but there are options. You've got all kinds of different options other than just having cable. And it's a dumb analogy, but that's life. When you have more options, those options better be good ones. And if you if you don't change, you get left behind. And that's what we're seeing in schools. And public schools better get a grip. There are charter schools. There are private schools. There are micro schools. There is homeschooling. There are all of these different options now for parents. And they are going to take the option that's best for their child. So when public school was the only option, I'm not saying they got lazy. But I'm saying you better take a look just like everybody else in life. You may be the only restaurant in town for a long time when you do a nice job. But when you get competition, it opens up across town. You better step up your game. And when you have competition around you, it makes everybody better or you fall behind and you fail. And we all – I think we all believe – That we can't give our children anything better than an education. So congratulations to the state of Arizona with an increase in test scores. But listen, we had an increase in math scores and they're still only passing at a rate of 33%. And that's something that every parent is looking at and should. As a society, we are not serving our children well. And we have to admit that this is not a knock against teachers. This is not a slam against anyone. It's just reality. The reality is we are not succeeding. And it also the reality is this is the most important thing we're going to do for our children. We cannot fail at this. So what do we do? And I'm anxious to see what the public school system says they are going to do moving forward. I think this is the biggest thing that's happening. Coming up in a moment, we speak with Angela Harrell. She is the president of the CEO of the 100 Club of Arizona and a great 9-11 event that happens every single year that is emotional and worthwhile and for a very worthy cause. We'll talk with her next. Strong values and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM, and the KTAR News app. Hey, thanks for being here. We are quickly approaching the 21st anniversary of 9-11. It is a day for uh, for people that we will never forget in America. And uh, there are different ways that people memorialize and commemorate that day. But one of the best is the Tower Challenge, the 9-11 Tower Challenge. And it is it benefits the people over at the 100 Club of Arizona. Joining us right now is the CEO of the 100 Club, Angela. Harold, Angela, welcome back to the show. 
Hi, good morning, Mike. Um, uh, let's talk. First of all, let's talk about this event. Um, this is not only is it a great event to uh, for people to do because they get to walk these steps, but it is such a way to memorialize that day and it becomes very emotional for people. It is a great event for a lot of different reasons. But first of all, it's great to get out on a Saturday morning and you're going to be in cooler temperatures. And in Arizona in September, anything you can do inside where it's cooler is always a good thing. But on that morning, when you're climbing those 2071 steps, it's an opportunity for people to reflect upon that day, those that remember it. Those that don't remember it, that we're maybe too young, it's a great opportunity to learn about what happened. And then also for everyone involved, it is a wonderful way to say thank you to the public safety that is still serving our communities today and our military, both domestic and abroad. Now, how many events are going on that day? <laughs> it's quite the undertaking. We actually have our Phoenix event here uh, on September 10th out at Gila River Arena. But the following day on September 11th, we are having the same tower challenge in Flagstaff at NAU and then also down in Tucson as well. So tell me what uh, what it raises money for. Tell me what happens with, with, with the funds from this. So every penny that's raised goes back to support the programs that support our first responders and their families here throughout the entire state of Arizona. That's why we want to make sure it's accessible to everybody, whether you're up north or down south or central here in the valley. We want to make sure it's accessible because it's important that the community is able to be involved in an event that supports every single department here in Arizona, whether it's a rural department or whether it's something here in the Phoenix metro area. Now, the beauty of that is that it can go back to help things like mental health, wellness, training. It can also help those that have been injured in the line of duty and also, unfortunately, those that have been killed. Yeah, it's one of the things I love about your organization is you're most known for the, the death benefit, unfortunately, when a first responder is killed in the line of duty or, or passes away. But the mental health aspect of what you do, didn't you also provide uh, washdown kits for firefighters around the state? Absolutely. So beyond that mental health and wellness piece, we do things like buy equipment that makes them safer. Anything that we can do more proactively, rather than you know having to respond to a situation, we want to do. And one of those examples you gave is to provide equipment that makes them safer. And that was that example of the washdown kit. Now, what that does, it sounds so simple, but the reality is, is if you are able to wash down your turnout gear on site, let's say after a fire, you're reducing the exposure to those carcinogens that are cancer causing that are really wreaking havoc on our firefighters throughout the nation. You know, I don't think I've ever asked you this, but um, uh, 9-11, do you when you this happens every year? And I know it's such an emotional time for all of us. Your memories of 9-11 that day. Is there one memory that you have of where you were that day or, or finding out what was going on in New York and in Washington and Pennsylvania? Oh, Mike. So I actually was um, just in a building right near the Pentagon um, in the State Department building, and I was working as a special agent. And when the first plane hit the towers and then ultimately the second, they called all of us into one room where we were, like I said, special agents. And they said they just we all just looked at each other and no one knew what to do. And we immediately were notified that we need to start all of the evacuations. And we started to evacuate the State Department facility, and we were running through every single room. You know, our cell phones weren't working. It was gridlock outside. And I all I wanted to do was get a phone call out to my mom. 
sounds like of all things, but I just wanted to let her know that I was okay. And we had already kind of witnessed the plane that was coming down uh, toward the Pentagon. We had no idea it was going to strike the Pentagon, but we had seen that plane in the sky. And as we're running through these rooms, again, we're just so concerned about our family members and such. And I finally got a landline and I called my mom. And when she answered, she didn't recognize my voice. And I didn't recognize hers. It was the strangest thing. So I said, instead of mom, I said, Joan. And she said, yes, this is Joan. And her voice just cracked. And I thought, oh, my gosh, that's what that's what my mom's voice would sound like if she thought she was mm. getting that call. Mm. And it was very overwhelming. And I said, Mom, it's me. It's me. And she goes, oh, okay, okay, go. Just go do what you have to do. And we continued the evacuations. But it was a very powerful moment on so many levels. And um, it put a lot of things into perspective for many people that day. Um. I've in all the years we've known each other, I've never heard you tell that story. I hope you have an opportunity to share that with people because it's moments like that with public servants like you were and have been for your whole career and your whole life. Um, it means so much to people to relive those moments so that we never lose the feeling of those days. So we let we make sure that it never happens again. And that's what makes this particular Tower Challenge so impactful and memorable, not only for me, but for many others, because we all remember where we were that day. And it's important to not forget. It's important to continue to honor those sacrifices and to honor those that are still serving amongst us day in and day out. Okay, so last question. If people want to sign up, is there a website where they can do it online and how do they find it? Yes, sir. Of course, go to 100club.org, 100club.org. You can find it there, of course, and then also on any of our social media channels. But we would sure love to have people register fast soon. We we are trying to close registration at the end of the day today, uh, but you're welcome to show up as well on Saturday morning. Just get there early, ideally 7 a.m. All right, Angela, one of these days we're going to stop making each other cry on the air. <laughs> we'll try. We'll try. <laughs> Thanks, Angela. I appreciate it. Thank you. All right. That's Angela Harrell from the 100 Club. Uh, get involved. You can hear the emotion in her voice, what this day means to her personally. But this organization does such great work across the state of Arizona. Uh, coming up, Steve Zinsmeister is in for Gatos in the Big Q poll question of the day. It happens in just a couple of moments. The Gatos Big Q poll question brought to you by your Valley Toyota dealers. Hey, good morning, Steve. Good morning, Mike. I've got the Gatos Big Q poll question. It's brought now, to you by Now, are you, are you writing these for Gatos, or is Gatos sending them to you? No, I'm writing these for Gatos. I, I, okay. He's on vacation. All right. I just want to make sure you get full credit, because when it's a good question, I don't want that guy stealing credit from you. Yeah, good point. Here's the Zinsmeister Big Q poll question. Do you want slash need to see an Arizona gubernatorial debate? Yes or no? Now, I heard Jeff Munn there in the news break talking about how there's going to be a candidate forum. That's obviously not a debate. Katie Hobbs sent a letter on Friday basically saying she didn't want to do a debate, that instead she thinks it would be better if the candidates did two separate interviews. And I got to be honest with you, Mike, we might actually learn more about the candidates in that way. So I think debates have become maybe even a thing of the past. Mm -hmm. 
And it's so funny because uh, I completely disagree with you. I think the debate forum is one when it's handled the right way is a great way for people to not only state – because when you do an interview, you are basically stating what you believe. But in a debate, you have to defend what you believe, and you have to defend your record. And I like that back and forth, and I think that um, there are going to be a lot of people that see this as perceived – I'm not calling this candidate weak, but perceived weakness in Katie Hobbs in not wanting to debate as if she's shying away. And I think that's going to, I don't think that's going to bode well for her. Oh, at the very least, it's definitely fear on her side that she's going to get trounced. She's going to get walked all over and that Carrie Lake is clearly the better public speaker. I think that's obvious. I'll agree with you on a lot of that. I think that if you're challenged, I think that that definitely does well for the electorate. I think we need to know. I would really love to see if it's interviews or if it's a debate, whatever it ends up looking like, I'd love for them to be fact-checked in real time, to be challenged by a moderator instead of just having to play babysitter. And a lot of the time, I feel like that's what a debate is. And I think when it's one-on-one between candidates, it's better than when it's... And, and I have I have moderated some primary debates where there's multiple candidates, and it's just... It, then there's... You're right. There's a lot of the fighting that goes on. But when it's one-on-one, I think it's a better forum when you're down to those last two candidates. I hope they end up working it out in the long run, but it's a great question. Yeah. If they could be civil, I'd be so down for a debate. But I yep. feel like ever since Trump versus Hillary, it just hasn't gone that way. Yeah, I agree with you. Great question, Steve. Thanks, man. All right, dude. All right. That's Zins Meister for Gatos. And the BQ poll question of the day is brought to you by your Valley Toyota dealers. Go over to KTAR.com. You can weigh in and see how other people have voted as well. Coming up just after nine o'clock, we talk about the economy nationwide. Is there going to be another interest rate hike? Are we moving toward a recession? What the experts are saying in a moment.